Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Good. Before we get started, I think we just need to take a knee here. <laughs> take a knee. <laughs> take a knee. <laughs> Bend the knee. Yeah, there's been a lot of bending of the knee lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to... By the way, that's the first collective uh we've ever had on the show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's been more. I'm pretty sure that's the first one we did in unison. We started and ended in an uh. <laughs> pretty great. <laughs> it's like we finish each other's... Sandwiches? Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. How did you know what I was thinking? Wow. Anyway. So, um, I just wanted to plug a few things real quick. Uh, the other Not Safe for Network shows, we had a good life. Alien Movie Project. Uh, what else we got out there? <laughs> Real roulette. Real roulette. <laughs> yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah, um, Geeks Lantern or Geek Lanterns Light is starting up. You can subscribe to it right now. There's a zero episode. It's only thirty seconds long. It just tells you what the show is going to be. Jeremiah Perez talked about it. The title he had, which I don't even remember what it, what he threw out uh, at the time. I had told him before we recorded. You know before. Before we decide on any titles, we have to check through Google to make sure that they're not taken. We went, especially me, because I went through a lot trying to come up with a title. And he went through a few trying to come up with a title. And I must have had like 80 things kicked back. That was already a thing. As hard as it is every time coming up with a podcast title, it gets harder with every podcast that we do. (laughs) I'll bet. (laughs) Yeah. There's just more and more people that have it. But uh, it's Geek Geek Lanterns Light. You can subscribe to it right now, and there will be a brand new episode up tomorrow night, um, assuming you're listening to this on Wednesday. So, like, Thursday, basically either late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, uh, there will be a podcast up for Geek Lanterns Light. But there is that zero episode, so you can sus- uh, subscribe right now so that you got it. But it's really good. Um Jeremiah is sitting in with his buddy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head because I haven't actually met him in the flesh yet. But I know I'm going to sit in for the first episode for sure. So I'll be on it if, if that gets you to listen. I don't <laughs> know. I, but definitely check it out. He's got a different take than I do on stuff. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting. It seems to cover a lot of pop culture, kind of geeky stuff is what he's interested in doing. So, But you've already heard him twice on this podcast and he's knocked it out of the park. So I've full confidence this is going to be a great podcast so i'm even i even have a podcast in the work that i put in hold just so that i could get jeremiah's off the ground so i have a lot of confidence in this and aaron's got some stuff coming up the pipe but we'll sort of fill you in when it gets closer uh he might be doing a new podcast we'll see so yeah that'll be interesting yeah we got a lot of stuff going (laughs) I got to record a new commercial, include the new one. Uh, Bigs on film is done. It's just done. I, I kept thinking maybe I'd record one last episode. I have no interest in doing No that one last anymore. job. No one last job, no. <laughs> uh, just take it off your feet. It's done. <laughs> or rem- just have a re-listen. Yeah. I'm Pop in that old Princess, Princess Bride DVD. and That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, it, it's got, it's too hard to do with all the stuff I have going, I got a band now I've got two podcasts going I'm producing two, and I've got one in the works that I'm going to be doing by myself. <laughs> so I've just got too many plates spinning for like that nonsense to go on. Because <laughs> the whole idea of that podcast was to like get rotating guests. So we had different opinions as we went through and that just became impossible. So yeah, there's only so many people. Like I, I always think that there's going to be so many podcasts that eventually it just gets drowned in a sea of podcasts, but that hasn't really been the case 
what's been happening is audiences for podcasts have gone up and the podcasts have gone up, but I think the audience to podcast ratio is like there are more audience to podcasts than there's ever been. And I feel like that's growing. And part of it is just a lot of people don't want to get in front of a mic. It's just, (laughs) it's as simple as that. Like people, like I have invited so many people on the show. I would say for every four people I invite on the show, one actually makes it on the show. And almost every time somebody makes it on the show, they come back because (laughs) yeah, once you get fun, once you pop that cherry, you get the uh, get the full experience, and it's not so bad. It's it's really fun just sitting in front of a mic and and spinning bullshit. But I will throw this out there because I am trying to grow the network, and I've gotten kind of lax on it as of late, and so I've been trying to reverse that, and I've been pushing harder to get more voices. So. If you are interested in doing a podcast, I don't even care where you're at. If you have the means, i.e. the internet, that, that's an important thing. Um, and you have some way to record, get a hold of me. Like I, we, will, we will listen it over and, and consider throwing you onto the network if you're looking for some help. But I just want to throw the call out there. Like We're trying to expand the network. We're trying to get more voices. So if anybody's out there there's no money in it from my side maybe you can make money on your side i don't know but we kick some back this way that'd be great (laughs) yeah i wouldn't have any problem with that (laughs) but it's not obligated but mostly what we do is just try and support each other's podcasts and get the audience up and it absolutely has done that when we started this podcast i think when i look back at the numbers it was like zero to five a week when we started this sounds about right yeah, and it just slowly built, and now it's somewhere between sixteen hundred to two thousand a week, like depending, depending on um, the week, you know. So we're doing pretty well. This app, this actually works. So if you got a voice and you want to put it in front of a microphone, like get a hold of me. You can get a hold of me on Facebook through the Not Safer Network page. Just send a message out, or you can send an email to not say for network at gmail.com and if you have anything you want to talk about on the show we'll read your email good or bad and we'll discuss it on the air i definitely want to speculate do- wildly yeah <laughs> well i've been wanting to do a mailbag forever and i gave up on the idea because the first year or two we're doing the podcast nobody ever really emailed and but our audience is so much bigger than it was then i mean it's it's 10 times the size that it was by like year two so if you want to get a hold of us you at least like want the adrenaline rush of us reading your email on the air i'll read it i don't even (laughs) care if you insult me (laughs) just send us an email so now that we got that business out of the way uh so you you saw a movie i did get to see a movie this week all right what'd you see I went and saw Kingsman the Golden Circle. Okay. <clears throat> Got rave reviews on the podcast for the first one. I still haven't seen it, but oh, I know you, you and Zach, You need to rewatch. You need to catch up on it. Yeah, that. it just hasn't been available to me. Like I whatever streaming services I have that I've noticed, I just haven't seen it anywhere. You so. know, it was on Netflix and I don't think it is on Netflix anymore. Yeah, so I must have missed it when it was on Netflix. It was probably on one of my HBO runs or Hulu runs. <laughs> so I go through phases where I like hit certain streaming sites way harder than others. It just happens. Like one will become my go to. It's most often Netflix, <laughs> but it it varies between depending on when. But how was the sequel? Not as good as the first. Okay. Already not great. How okay. So if you did five stars for the first one, what would you give it? About four stars. Four stars. Okay. What would this one get? Three. Okay. So still good. Still good. I mean like five stars would be like five is great. Four is pretty damn good. Is really good. Three is good, two is fair, one is awful. Is that yeah, fair? Okay. Somewhere along those lines. So good movie, not a great movie. Yeah. Um there there was some stuff that was eh they had way too many callbacks to the first movie. I hate that. I mean, way too many. Yeah. I mean, a couple of them would have been okay, but I mean it was one every two to three minutes. I mean, it was way too many callbacks. So if I set the over under on callbacks at 30, would it go over or under? It's probably under 
but not by much. <laughs> like scraping it out to the end, wondering <laughs> if you're gambling. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I, I've said, and you know, this isn't with action movies per se, but with comedies, what makes a horrible comedy sequel is when they just call back all the time. It just never. And works this in is comedy. The same thing in action movie form. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and so that is where most of my gripes with the movie is. Um, it's not a continuation of plot. It's just it is, but things. I mean, I mean continuation of plot is okay, though, right? Continuation of plot is one thing, um, but it's but when it was you're like, like remember that moment. But it was like, oh, remember Mister Pickles stuffed on the wall? Yeah, he's back, and he has like they use him for something else. And I mean, it it was a lot of that stuff, and it just it seemed really forced, and it just kind of distracted from the movie. Uh, Julianne Moore played the villain in this, and she was pretty terrible. <laughs> Was she naked in it at any part? Negative. Okay. She's got like a 50-50 ratio in movies, so <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but the one thing that was really, I will give this movie props for, is because they basically set it up like a Bond movie. Okay. Um, like kind of like a sixties one. Is that what that's sort of, yeah, it's kind of like a, you know, a a really cliche sort of super villain taking over the world sort of scenario. Like $1 million or I'm going to blow up North America or something like that. You're not very far off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's as cliched as it gets. But so they, I mean, they, the base of the movie is that. But they build off that in an interesting way. So they, Julianne Moore plays the head of a drug cartel. Okay. Um, and they're into opium products, so heroin, uh, cocaine, uh, marijuana, and methamphetamine. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they just have a corner on the drug market. She basically does. Okay. Um, and then she ends up tainting her supply and then basically everybody that has used any of those drugs, um, starts like going through these four phases. Like you get this rash and then you start like uncontrollably moving, then you paralyze and then die. Okay. So basically. That's also sh- not an original plot though. Because. That's, no, that is not original if, if at you, all. If you change paralyzed and then die to head turns into snakes it's halloween three (laughs) (laughs) check it out check it out it's a it's a decent awful horror movie but don't watch halloween one or two or know anything about halloween when you watch it because it does not connect in any way but the title yeah so so basically she has an antidote for it and she used that to ransom the world okay which is like like you kind of pointed to that's pretty cliche. <laughs> that's as cliche as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. But what was really interesting is they had a commentary throughout on conservative drug policy which was really interesting. Okay. Um cuz basically she goes on national TV and ransoms, you know, whether to do it so they, the I mean, this goes clear up to the president um, that they are publicly will give in because, I mean, there's millions of people out there that are going to potentially die because of this virus. But then behind, off television, he's like, fuck all these druggies. You know, we get a chance to win the drug war all in one file swoop. And that, I thought, was really interesting. Okay. So they're whipping in a little political with their Dr. Evil plot. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, speaking of Matthew Vaughn, because um, I, I think Matthew Vaughn directed That's that. That's correct. Yeah. 
Um, so he was recently doing the rounds, doing press for for Kingsman. Was it Full Circle or whatever the hell it is? The Golden, Golden Circle. Golden Circle, sorry. And the subject of the Flash Gordon remake came up, which we've talked about on this <laughs> podcast once, and I talked about on the Alien Movie Project, which def- if you haven't heard it, definitely go back and listen to that episode. My favorite episode of the Alien Movie Project. It's also because I'm a conceited piece of shit, <laughs> and I'm on it. <laughs> but it's like we talk about Flash Gordon on it. And uh, Matthew Vaughn started talking about the Flash Gordon remake because he signed up to make the movie in 2015. And so they were, some fan went to get an update on it. By fan, I mean reporter, but you know, sometimes it's one and the same. (laughs) Uh, And so apparently it's hit a few snags. So this is a quote Matthew Vaughn gave. For me, the only problem with Flash Gordon's is the Guardians kind of stole what I would have liked to have done with it. You've got Star Wars, you've got Guardians, so you've got to have your own space opera, but you have to find something that can survive among these two very, very great franchises. So he's still working on a Flash Gordon script, but because I get, I'm going to read that as the tone of Guardians of the Galaxy with the serious and funny. That's probably what it is, yeah. right? Like it, it's very, it's very like depressing, but also really funny that, <laughs> that those movies. I'm guessing that that was a problem, which makes sense because if you, if you're making a remake of the 1980 Flash Gordon, <laughs> shit is hilarious. Like that whole movie is funny. It's just funny from beginning to end. So, you know, it was definitely done tongue in cheek. So yeah, yeah. So that's. Well, I don't know if it was done that way, but it definitely came off that way. Um, I've done a lot of research. On- <laughs> We did a commentary on Montague's guys at one point. It did a whole podcast talking about the Alien Movie Project. I've like lived Flash Gordon my <laughs> entire life, so I know a lot about it. But essentially, the way the script was written was it was supposed to be serious. Um, Dino De Laurentiis wanted a serious space yes. opera. And so the guy who finally wound up taking it was like, I can't make this serious. So he wrote it very campy. But all the areas of production other than casting did not understand that this wasn't a serious movie. <laughs> so they like spent a lot of money. Like the sets are amazing in Flash Gordon. Like they're really amazing. Especially if you look back at 1981, like Yeah. I mean, for the time it was I mean, they were they still look good on TV. Yeah. No, if you get this on Blu-ray, like it looks incredible, the sets that they had for this. And they got Fellini's cinematographer for it because at one point Dino De Laurentiis was trying to get Fellini on the project, so he got a cinematographer. And like so there's all this incredible stuff going on. Where the cracks start to show is like the set design and the costumes and all this stuff were like to be serious. But in the casting, where Dino De Laurentiis had a say in it, was very serious. So that's how you get guys like uh, Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow, and, uh, uh, Tim, Zero Mostel. Uh, Topol. Yeah. Uh, Topol is more on the campy side, actually. But uh, what's his face? Prince Baron, uh, James Bond. Uh, Tim Dalton. Yeah, Tim, it- Timothy Dalton. Tim Dalton. <laughs> Tim Dalton is Prince Baron. Um, So you had those very serious actors in those roles, and then you had guys like Brian Blessed and (laughs) Sam Jones and Melody Anderson who are just like hamming the fuck out of it. And it's it's that's why it's great. It's like the world's best train wreck. It really <laughs> is, man. Because it is really great. It, it, the script is written so funny to me because the lines are so corny and ham-handed. And Melody Anderson and, and uh, Sam Jones had never really had a big part before, so they didn't totally or know what scenes. they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, re- what really has Sam Jones done since that, other than the Ted franchise? Yeah, I, I don't have any answers. <laughs> He's in a documentary called Life After Flash, which is premiering real soon. I can't wait to see it, dude. It looks so great. They got interviews. I, I'm like 
I'd like them on Facebook, so I check it out. And I want to put the word out. Like this documentary looks incredible. They got interviews with pretty much everybody living who's been connected to Flash Gordon. Like they have interviews with uh well, Sam Jones is a big part of it, Melody Anderson. Um, I know they had um Brian Blessed, like Hawkman. Yeah. Yeah, or Fulton. They have Brian May in a big interview. They got Brian. That's the get that I'm like actually amazed at because Brian May is like balls deep in the Queen biopic right now, like selling a coffee table book for Queen that he did in like uh, 3D photography and just all of this stuff. So it's like it's a it's a pretty incredible feat that they managed to like, you know, take this documentary from a a Kickstarter campaign and, and make it an actual documentary, you know. I'm just impressed with what I've seen so far. But anyway, um, I want this remake to happen so bad. I really do. Part of me wants it to be a train wreck too. I want like, (laughs) I'd like the idea that his idea was taken. And so he's going to be scrambling for an idea for the script because that means if it gets made, it might be a train wreck. And that's what we need. (laughs) That's what it needs to be. It needs to be a train wreck that captures lightning in a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a hard thing to get but um yeah otherwise you end up with fan stick. <laughs> yeah but going from flash gordon to the flash they announced the cw cry uh crossover is going to be called crisis on earth x uh so this will be all four of the shows not not uh is it black lightning the new show yeah i, I think that's it but uh, not that. So I it's going to be Arrow, Flash, uh, Supergirl, and Legends Legend of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And so it will take place during Barry and Iris's wedding, which is interrupted by villains that are Nazi counterparts of Supergirl, The Flash, and Green Arrow. I'm in. Yes. And <laughs> they picked a photo, and I can't, because of the dimensions of it, I can't do it justice and make it the cover art. So you're just going to have to look it up online. But look up, look up the the poster art they did for this crossover event that they just released. It's great, dude. If you're a comic book fan, it's incredible. They made it up like a comic book cover from like the 80s. And it's got like all the heroes on the side who are in it, including like a bunch who haven't been introduced yet, like the Ray, for example. Um, he's a guy named Ray who just thinks he's cool. <laughs> No, it's not really what he is. He makes pizzas. Yeah. He's not original Ray, though, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Like, he was the first, but original Ray came later, but original Ray is more famous, right? (laughs) I think that's how that works. But it's a really great one. You see, like, Barry and Iris getting married in the front, and then, like, all these superheroes and Nazis and all this shit. It looks... (laughs) like a fucking amazing train wreck like quite frankly it looks like a train wreck it looks great it's it looks like it's done by the same artist who did the deadpool poster for imax which i highly recommend checking that out as well just get on your computer like search out some jpegs for me also look at cowboys.com i think they're all over there if you check that out that's wow that's an old school call that's a callback we haven't had for a few years uh you got any thoughts on this? <laughs> yeah, really check out cowboys.com. Yeah. <laughs> totally check out cowboy.com. All right, let's get to the meat of the podcast because this is what I've been excited to talk about since I realized it was happening on Sunday because I wasn't paying attention. So we have two Star Trek shows right now. Two, you said? I don't mean two episodes, although we do technically have two episodes. We got Star Trek Discovery, but before we get there, we also have the Orville. This shit is crazy. I saw the trailer for it, and like I thought, eh, maybe I'll check it out, but I don't know. It's Seth MacFarlane's like take on Star Trek. Yeah. And it's so clearly supposed to be Star Trek when you watch the trailer. But I was like, I don't know if I'm really down for like a whole parody show. And so I watch it, and... The pilot made me laugh a lot. Like it, it was sort of setting things up. And the first big laugh I have is when he goes to, I think it's his his pilot essentially, when he goes to um, get his pilot because Seth MacFarlane is playing the captain, right? 
he's in a holodeck and he like created this orc to fight. And so he's having this big battle with the orc and he's like, hold. And he starts talking to the captain. He's like, what's this? And he's like, oh, this is just a program I create. And he's got a super sweet personality. And the guy's like, oh, hi, how you doing? Oh, I'm a big fan of you. And he's like super <laughs> nice and stuff. And it's like this eight foot tall, like drooling, like menacing looking orc. And then he has this whole conversation. He's being super nice. And then at this one part when he goes to walk off, uh, the pilot, he's like, Hey, what's on your shoulder? It looks like a ladybug. And he's like, oh, that's so great. And right when he looks down at it, he just takes his broadsword and chops his head off and just goes walking off. <laughs> and I just like busted up laughing. So there's like these jokes in the pilot. And like the story is like, it's it's not that strong in the pilot episode. I'm going to be honest. But there's a lot of funny stuff. So I'm like, all right. There's three episodes up right now on Hulu. So I go to check out the next one. And it's... The next two are full-on Star Trek episodes. I swear to God, it is like if Star Trek, your typical Star Trek episode from, and I'm talking about like original series. Original series or um, next, next generation. Next generation. It's, it's more in the vein of like next generation slash Deep Space Nine slash Voyager. Okay. So like it's very reminiscent of that with the special effects, with the suits, um, just sort of the design of the interior of the ship. It's very reminiscent of those 90s Star Trek, like late 80s, 90s Star Trek. Um, And so those tend to be like, I would say, 90% story laced with some action and like 10% jokes. This is like, like these stories are like, after you get past the pilot, they're like 30% joke and 70% story. Interesting. And so like it, they clearly decided to go in a different direction than the pilot did, but I really dig it because it's like legitimate science fiction, but it does have belly laughs every now and then. So you can watch when you have like your 10 minute chunk before commercials, you're going to have like at least one belly laugh, maybe two. Which is like, it's pretty great the way it works. Like the last episode they put up, there's a character in it who's an alien and all of his species are males. And then he suddenly has an egg. And so he's like sitting on it, waiting for it to hatch and stuff. And he winds up like in the third episode having a daughter. And so he's demanding a sex change and he's being a dick about it. It's clearly like a stand in for like transgender, transgender and military. like and gay rights and things. Yeah. Um, and I say that because of all, all of the little tropes I hit, it's also gay rights. I realize transgendered is different, but like that, they're really talking about both things in this episode, but what makes it, what sets it apart and makes it really funny is like, they're trying to do all these things to convince him to leave it, you know, l- let her be a, a girl, even though she'll, she'll be persecuted or whatever for it. And nothing's working. And at one point, like the engineer guy is just talking about hacks off the the orc's head. And this other guy come up and they're like, hey, let's just have a beer and watch an Earth movie. And so he's really annoyed by it. But he sits down and they start watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Like and the he, claymation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. dude, all of the references in it are like nowadays, like references you would get nowadays, like not 500 years in the future. <laughs> like it's packed with it, but it makes it funnier to me. So they're sitting there watching Red, Rudolph the Red News, Red Nosed Reindeer, and he's like riveted by it, and it <laughs> changes his entire worldview to where he is like fighting with his entire civilization because of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and he's trying to convince all of them to watch it because they just don't understand that like that defect will help you know bring greatness or whatever to him. It's just really funny the way they play it out, but like the show actually works, like it's a good show. It's it has a potential. It's a lot better than I thought it would be. I saw what kind of convinced me to watch it was Seth MacFarlane was talking about it, and they were mentioning something about how it was a Star Trek spoof, and he's like, "Well, no, we're we're our own show. Like, it's not it's not really a comedy. Like, we're going for." And I was like, "It's not a comedy. Like, it seemed like a comedy, and the pilot is totally a comedy. But after that, it really does become Star Trek, which I love. Like, I can't get enough. You know, good Star Trek." 
I was reading something yesterday because you were watching it on Hulu. Yes. And I believe they've only aired one ep the pilot. Oh, really? To this point. Okay. Well, there's more to come. <laughs> so, but everything I've read is great reviews on the show. And it was really highly rated. Yeah, it's I I really recommend. It. I was surprised. It's the surprise show of the of the year for me. Like that one came out of left field for me. I, I did not see it coming. I didn't think it would be nearly as good as it was. And it's it's funny. I mean, and they have like a plot where his first officer is his wife who cheated on him at the beginning, <laughs> and so like. They have a back and forth there, but it's interesting because you know in these shows they always have like the captain and they're gonna have like a love interest on the on the board and it's like will they or won't they? But it's such a weird fucking wrinkle when they've already like had a relationship <laughs> that fall the that fell, like apart. fell apart. Uh it's and you could see how they're good for each other, but at the same time, like they can't help but needle each other all the time. It's real fun. Like, I, I just really recommend that show. But let's get to the real Star Trek show. So Star Trek Discovery dropped. Uh, I saw both episodes. I paid for CBS All Access for me. I know I said this before. Like, it was a point I would pay for the first month for sure. And if I enjoyed the show, I would keep paying it. Um, as it turns out, I'm going to be paying for it no matter what because my wife likes reality programming that's on CBS. So you gave her the door into CBS all action. She was already telling me we had to get it, and I've been holding off for a month because I was like, I'm going to wait till Star Trek premieres. So, so I what, literally paid for it the I, day. I really want to ask, like, what reality shows the CBS? Well, never mind. Cause, I don't know because they have this whole Survivor, Big Brother. Uh, I think she watches Big Brother. No, she doesn't like that. I don't know. I know the ones I know for sure is she watches all the Bachelor shows, but I don't think those are CBS. Those are ABC. But there's a bunch of them on CBS. She was like really mad that she couldn't watch. And she was watching them on our computer. It was like the only time she's getting on her desktop since <laughs> she's been in school because she could only watch it online and then they took it offline a couple months ago because they started the CBS all access site. Huh? So <laughs> she's been like haranguing me for a while See, to pay for it. You know, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Like I'm thinking about if my wife would actually watch that. The CBS all access, the CBS all access reality. Because she Probably. has the same like uh, reality show like need, I guess. You should uh, that I don't have. Yeah, and she takes it out on uh, the show RuPaul's Drag Race, ah, which is the fucking worst show <laughs> ever I've, made. Yeah, I think my wife watches that because I've seen RuPaul oh my a few God, times it on is my the TV. Fucking worst, <laughs> like. And and I can I can tolerate some reality TV. This is over the line. Yeah, it's too much. It's way too much. Like, oh, I, I mean, if there's ever a cliche in reality TV, that one hits it and goes beyond. Well, I will say from what <sighs> I saw on Star Trek Discovery, it was worth my six dollars. It's ten dollars if you don't want the commercials. I'm not going that deep. <laughs> not that deep not they have to like get some more hey you gotta stop and take a knee yeah, yeah. <laughs> they gotta get some more good programming but uh star trek discovery i really liked i saw i, I saw both episodes on the cbs all access like the streaming platform seemed to work okay for me i didn't run into any snags like nothing it nothing annoyed me it's a new platform so you never know you so know. The way I saw it is a friend and a fr a friend of a friend stopped by and had a USB drive with it on there. <laughs> uh-huh. And it was really great except I had no idea what the fucking Klingons were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I want okay, that's interesting because I did watch it on all access and it was heavily subtitled. That both of those episodes. <sighs> so if you saw it on CBS 
and you didn't know this, it continued on CBS All Access, and it is one story. Like, like it is not complete without that second part. It's yeah, really, I mean, it, it's the first story. episode major cliffhanger at the end of the episode. Yeah, because it doesn't it end with the captain holding a phaser to the first. He officer, holds who's the main. She character. holds a phaser to the the other gal to number and, one. Yeah, who, who is the main character? I don't remember her name. The because, Vulcan black chick. Well, she's not Vulcan, but she was raised, raised by Sarek. Vul- yeah. Anyway, Spock's dad. And <laughs> I the nerd all the freaking Klingons like warp into where they're at. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it may, it ends on a major cliffhanger. Now I want to know what is it that you think the Klingons <laughs> were saying. I, I, I've got to know this because if you watch this without subtitles, I'm going to guess that pilot episode that you watched had approximately 15 minutes of subtitles. At least. Okay, so what do you think was said? What do you think the Klingons deal was? <sighs> Just you know, take a it's because you're all, I mean, you're watching, uh, and the way I was watching it, and because I had no subtitles, no idea what they're saying. Uh-huh. You know, I'm trying to like bone up on my Klingon a little bit. <laughs> hog tooth, hog tough, baby. <laughs> And failing miserably. <laughs> so, what what do you think was said? Can you like what what do you think was their deal? You know, it, and it was really hard because I'm just trying to like guess out of context by body language. Yeah, so I want to know what and you came up with. Some of it got really weird because <laughs> <laughs> you had like uh, the head of the Klingon guy was talking to the other, and I mean they were like nose to nose mm-hmm. and you're you're never you didn't know if they were like the one guy was chewing the other guy out or just about to make out with him you just had <laughs> no idea what do you think it was just from the tone it didn't sound like it was uh gonna get the heavy petting but that's true but with klingons <laughs> it's like german it just all sounds <laughs> negative you know it always sounds it's very aggressive. true yeah um okay so okay so here was the klingons deal they're running this beacon that that mysterious thing that they see is a beacon big bright light yes it's a beacon for the klingons and so they're in there and the guy who's running it is saying like the captain of the beacon or whatever his whole deal is that he wants to unite all the 24 factions of Klingons because the, their empire has been fractured. And so he wants to start a war with the Federation so that he can bring all the, all of the, um, the, the factions together to make the Klingon empire great again. <laughs> <laughs> The complete opposite of what Donald Trump's trying to accomplish. Right. (laughs) Um, And so that's, I think that's part, I think it was implied, but not said that that's why they were in Federation space. Like they were encroaching in this Federation space to provocate a war. And so he's talking about how they'll come and say, we come in peace. And that's, that's a lie. And that's cause for wars if they say we come in peace because that's like part of the lie that the Federation spread. So that's his whole deal. And like he has that paler Klingon, right? And that like the Klingon before it, the one he gets in his face, like refuses to call all the other Klingons when the Federation is there because he's trying to basically... bring some religious text into it that should bring all the Klingons together. And he's saying that's crazy. Nobody's going to do that. And so he's yelling at the guy and telling him that he disgraced his position and everything. And so this pale Klingon that comes out, who's like a different color than the rest of the Klingons. Yeah, he was definitely a lot lighter than the rest of the Klingons. And so he's known as like a genetic abnormality. And he's telling him that even though people look at you as a freak you're much like me and they have flashbacks and stuff of him when he's younger and, and all the prosec- like all the persecution he goes through with other Klingons. And so he can, he can identify with this pale Klingon. And so of course he becomes like everybody on the station basically becomes, um, 
like true believers in this guy kind of. And so then they call all the other Klingons and I don't know. Did you get to the part of where they're talking all the Klingon holographs? No. I okay. Think that's so that's the in the episode. second episode. I watched them back to back. So, um, and so he brings them in and then they have a debate whether they should fight, <clears throat> fight the Federation or whatever. And then it fucking goes in a balls out war. But, Obviously, so the main story, I think, is is the number one character, and she's with the captain, and she's going to be brought up for promotion, like the captain's going to yeah. suggest her for a promotion, and then she winds up accidentally killing this Klingon on the beacon, and she talks with Sarek and asks him how they made peace with the Klingon Empire, because she's worried war is about to happen, and now this is where it's crazy because I keep trying to think about the political implications of this and it's insane. It doesn't, I feel like it has no comparison to anything that's going on in politics ever, really, because it's such an insane like thing. Basically, Sarek said that they knew that the Klingons were a warlike people, so they just immediately destroyed the first ship they ran into with the Klingons, and so the Klingons respected them, and so the next time they ran into them, they were able to hammer out peace with them because they they respected them as a warrior race. And <sighs> so she's telling the captain they need to destroy the beacon immediately, and the captain's not... like the, Of course, the captain is trying to do the diplomatic solution, and so it's it's a war between that. On top of it, number one has lost her family to Klingons when she was a kid before Sarek. Um, that's my cat. <laughs> but before Sarek um, adopted her and kind of raised her, her family died by Klingons. So she also, she has this weird yin-yang of like logic, but it's also balanced out with this like extreme hatred of the Klingons. It's sort of like Kirk and Spock mixed. Yeah. Like in Star Trek Six anyway, because like Kirk hates those Klingon bastards for killing his son in Star Trek Three. <laughs> but um and so they wind up it's basically the start of the war is what's happening. Like the the Federation is probably gonna get in this giant war with the Klingons because they were fucking opening fire on each other. And the first episode ends in the most crazy fashion. I'm not going to go beat for beat with everything that happened, but essentially what happens is the captain dies and number one gets court-martialed and it fucking ends there. Like they don't even show the court-martial just like her being thrown in the brig and everything. And then they show like, I don't like, remember that at all. No, that's cause it's in the second episode. Oh, I thought you said the first episode. Oh no, no, no. Um, but the first arc basically but basically they show what's going to happen in upcoming episodes they do like a clip quick like clip of all this stuff that's going to happen later in the season and there's a whole new ship with like a whole nother crew that she's like kind of part of but i think a prisoner or whatever like she's below decks like she's definitely not in the chain of command it looks crazy, dude, to like spend the first two episodes to like build up this whole crew and make you like look at the interplay of the crew and like thinking about everything. And then most of them fucking die. It's a, an insane way to start the show. I really like the balls it takes to like start a, a series like that. Like for a Star Trek series, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, the other thing and the most incredible thing about this show was the special effects wowed me. They're pretty damn good. And here's the thing. I got to be honest here. The original series never wowed me for special effects. None of the other shows ever wowed me for special effects. The movies, I would like make a note like, oh, they're better than the show. Like they're, whenever the movie comes out, they're always better than whatever show. But I was never impressed with the special effects. This show, I'm like genuinely impressed. This is the best looking space thing i may have ever seen like, you know it's they incredible. had incredible i mean just the cinematography alone is really great i they had one scene where it was a they f it was after the number one had killed the klingon they had a funeral for him and they put him in this sarcophagus that like floats up and out of the ship uh-huh 
and just watching it like go and then they had like the the starlight from whatever star they were orbiting like kept like flashing and just had like it was like a point of view shot from like the toe of the sarcophagus and it was just really interesting to watch and, and I, I mean it was it was really hard to tell like how they made that shot because yeah. I mean it looked like if you took a GoPro and put it on the toe of a sarcophagus and floated it through space this is what you would get and the the backdrops they use for space is incredible like the nebulas and stuff that they have in the background it just it's not boring like black with stars they do things with it and the ship designs are super cool the deck designs are they're like abrams but without all the lens flare right like <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of a cross between like the design of next generation but like updating like abrams did it i would say but their exteriors and the places that they go like the klingon beacon and stuff like all that stuff just it yeah i mean like it's so right, much work it's right on par with the uh the first abrams star wars with or star trek wow dude i think it's better and i, I think like it's where they had the ship with the the romulan ship that mm-hmm. was just dis- the distressed ship i mean it it looked at least on par or better than that i think it was better than any of the movies i've ever seen like for star trek like i really do i like it was better than all of the abrams movies like i was so impressed with the special effects uh i really like the story it's really interesting i liked how they focused on one character i'm not sure if if any of those characters are going to return for the upcoming show it's possible but there's definitely a new crew i like the ballsy storytelling i like that we got to see what was going on with the klingons very in depth I I just I'm really impressed with this show. Like I was hoping it would be good, but it was hope. I <laughs> I was really not grounded in a whole lot. It was just not I was trying to not be reactionary because and I look, doing a podcast like this, we're going to be guilty of that sometimes too being reactionary to something before we see it. But with Star Trek, I was really hopeful it would be good, so I didn't want to be reactionary to it. The shit was good. It was really good. It has the potential to be a great Star Trek show. It's definitely the best pilot that they've had of any of the shows. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with the show. And I'm so happy we have two Star Trek shows now. (laughs) So I will tell you the one thing that I didn't care much for. What's that? The Klingon makeup. I've been hearing a lot of complaints with it. I liked it. It was very alien looking, so I enjoyed it. It was, but it also looked like blackface to me. It was black actors underneath it, and so they but they it, matched. But the it skin almost tone. looked looked like blackface to me. And I had a lot of time to look at that since I had no idea what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought about how dark they were, but I also realized. So, like, what I what I remember with, like, Next Generation, like, a lot of shows was when they had Klingons, whatever skin tone the actor was, they just matched the makeup to their skin tone. And, yeah, it did seem like they darkened the Klingons a bit. But I, I do feel like there was a purpose with that because they had the outcast character, Klingon, that was, like, very pale in skin. And I think they were trying to represent different races of Klingons as well. Because when you have the holographs of all the Klingons, you don't really get to see skin tone per se, but like their design is a little bit different. And so I think they were trying to represent that like each faction of the Klingons genetically look different. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if they're all like that, maybe it's a problem but if you're like trying to talk about like one sect or something i'm a little more forgiving of it i think some of that might have been lost in the translation you weren't able (laughs) to do from the klingon (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna accuse them of blackface just yet (laughs) they were to their credit they made the most alien looking klingons that's ever been at this point so um 
like I was hearing somebody complain about it on Facebook and I just, they were talking about how the Klingons like don't look like Klingons or, or they made them look too weird or something. I'm like, yeah, but they change them all the time. And they were like, not really. And then I like put up a picture cause I knew what they were thinking. They were thinking of the Klingons from the nineties shows, right? Yeah, I mean, you're talking wharf. I mean, yeah. you think of you're Klingon, of you think of wharf. So I immediately put up a picture of the original Klingons from the original series. And if you've not seen a picture of this, the ones in the original series, they have almost pointy eyebrows, like their eyebrows come up into a point and they have a certain type of jumper that they wear and they have goatees and that's a Klingon. There's no shit on their face. There's no like ridge down the middle of it. There's no kind of makeup that denotes them from being not human. (laughs) <laughs> like they they're so clearly humans and that's the thing it, you get your first i'm gonna say modern klingon and the motion picture there's like a klingon thing like a vessel that gets destroyed by viger at the beginning of the movie it's quick and you miss it like it, it's just like the first two minutes of the movie but it's like klingons talking to each other on a war a bird of prey going hocked off off tooth like talking to each other and, I thought uh, we had uh they have like a ridge down the middle and then with oh, next generation then they start they take that ridge and they start putting a shit like that goes vertical over wings the off of it yeah. yes like like that's wharf right yeah and then when you go to the abrams movies that's where you get the the klingons that are starting to look like the ones in this show because they they fuck with them a little bit, make them a little more dwarf like, and then this show goes off the most. But I like the evolution of the Klingons. Like I'm I'm a fan of making things look more alien in Star Trek because they couldn't really do it before, but they can now, so they should. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, did did you enjoy the pilot? Like from what you saw, I did. Yeah, it's got to be tough only seeing like half of it though. Yeah. Missing the entire Klingon dialogue really, it it made it a little hard to watch. Yeah, because I mean it, because you, I mean you have them just, I mean they might as well have been speaking German because I don't understand a fucking word. Well, if you want to take some time at another juncture, uh, not tonight, but like another night you're welcome to come over and watch. I'll watch them again, dude. Like it's fucking good. It's real good. (laughs) I enjoy it. And I'm definitely at least so far going to watch week to week. Now I said that about Gotham and I I made it through about a month of that, but the pilot was good. And then it just didn't deliver up to the promise, but I'm pretty hopeful for this. Like I think CBS has a shitload writing on this and man, did they deliver in those first two episodes? Like I wasn't, I was, very, very impressed that they managed to do that. But do you have anything else you want to cover before we get out of here? Um, yeah, I wanted to talk uh, a little Rick and Morty. Okay. I'm just perpetually a week behind. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it is. And this isn't really so much about any particular episode. Cause is this about uh, uh, fans who are horribly sexist? The... Uh, Dan Harmon and Justin Rowland calling out sexist trolls. Yeah, I, did, I had the article queued up, and my uh, stepdaughter had to do homework, so I didn't get to like get all the articles I usually get. But tell me about it. I will. Now here's exactly uh, his quote. This is from Dan Harmon. I was familiar going into the third season, having talked to Felicia Day, that any high-profile women get doxxed, they get harassed, they get threatened, they get slandered, and part of it is testosterone-based subculture patting themselves on the back for trolling these women. Because to the extent that you can get a girl into a sh- because to the extent you can get a girl to shriek about a frog, you've proven girls are girly. And there's no crime in assaulting her with a frog because it's all in the name of proving something. I think it's all disgusting. These knobs, they want to protect the content they think they own and somehow combine that with their need to be proud of something they have, which is often only their race or gender. It's offensive to me as someone who has 
born male and white and still works that and still works way harder than them that there's some white male quote fan out there trying to further some creepy agenda by quote protecting my work i've made no bones about the fact that i loathe these people it fucking sucks and the only thing i can say is if you're lucky enough to make a show that is really good that people like that means some bad people are going to like it too and you can't just insist that everybody who watches your show get their fucking head straight good it's <laughs> a good way to stand up. I think he was protecting some uh, female writers that were. Being yeah, he, that right? was the first part of that. Like, yeah, yeah. I read enough. I read enough in the headlines to know <laughs> that much. But yeah, good on you, Dan Harmon. Uh, the more and more I hear him talk, the more and more I like him. Dude seems like he's got it all going on. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan Harmon, you got it going on. In season three, Rick and Morty has been so fucking great. <laughs> yeah. I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> uh, By the way, that sequence was insane. I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but him trans- fucking killing a rat with his mouth and then like using it as a puppet and just all of the shit that goes with it is so insane. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, what was the the episode I was going to ask you about? Um, oh, have you seen the uh, the the one at the uh, with all the Rick and Mortys? Yes. <laughs> What'd you think about that episode? I liked it. I didn't think it was the best one, but I liked it. See, I honestly think it's been the best episode. That I know. <laughs> It might have been because you build it up as the best, so I was like taking it apart as I was watching. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. But I also, I think with that show, the stuff that I like the most is like when Morty kind of causes Rick to have like that weak moment and actually like show that he cares about his grandson, even though he doesn't want to, you know? Like it's those little touches that I like. For example, when they when they go to the spa and they get their toxins out, <laughs> and he's talking about how like they couldn't possibly know what the the negativity is to take out of their system. It has to be defined by themselves. And he's mm-hmm. saying like with him, it's his arrogance and his love of his grandson. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so he finds that that's the weakness to get like the toxin Rick. Because like he has an affinity for Morty, <laughs> if you because like he that. defines that as a weakness. But I like that because that is a full on admission that he loves his grandson, even though he wants to like maintain that he doesn't love. Like that love is pointless, you know. Like he kind of has that nihilist point of view. If you like that one, you'll like the uh, the uh, episode nine on this. Um, it's not his love for Morty, but it's uh, directed his love for Beth and the back and forth between those two in the latest episode is fucking gold. Um, Because the entire episode, he goes about talking like he's having this argument with Beth um, and like he creates this like alternate universe that she can go to. It's like a, happy fun land sort of place. But it turns out sick and twisted. So. Right. <laughs> well, I get there. Here's the, it's just like all my Rick and Morty stuff is a week behind and I keep meaning to like find people put it up all over the internet. Like it's not it's even, even on YouTube. Yeah. They put it up all over. So I just have to take a minute to remember to do that. But goddamn, I'm so lazy sometimes. I just like to lay on the couch and like turn it on. That's partly why I'm paying for CBS All Access. It's too much work torrenting anymore. Just like pay a paltry sum and have it. It's fine. But this is probably a good place to stop. So take it easy. Pickle Rick. Put them on your laptop. Put them-
them on your phone. Put them in your ears. Not safe for network. With the not safe for network, the entertainment's ringing through your brain. Collect them all or trade them with your friends. Not safe for network. Real roulette. Maybe you're a film student. I'm picturing you with a beret. We had a good life. Well, Strap, it's a bit of the gift and the curse. That's debatable. It'd be nice if they showed a little accountability. The Alien Movie Project. It's just another clear-cut case of American exceptionalism. Montucky Skies. I'm spoiling the shit out of this in three, two, one. Bigs on film. We're watching this on Netflix because I'm three beers in and lost the Blu-ray. Listen to all the archives in a row and they form a mega podcast so long that your significant other will be drawing up divorce papers. Not safe for network. 